Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When I started to work with magnetic fields to figure this out, I realized something, and that is that the flow of electrons is completely analogous to the flow of water, of a liquid. If you do it properly and you design those eddy currents to combine in constructive ways, you can generate some very powerful secondary magnetic fields. Welcome back to the world of Where's My Jetpack? Back in the 1960s, we were promised everything from jetpacks to flying cars and holidays in space. But here we are in the 23rd century, not a jetpack in sight. So what happened to those space-age dreams? I'm Sarah Crudus. And I'm Luke Moore. And each episode, we'll be taking you on a mission to find out by exploring a different futuristic promise that never was, attempting to discover if it was all just science fiction or if these great inventions are just around the corner or perhaps lurking in unexpected places. This is episode three, Where's My Hoverboard? It should be a simple piece of technology that allows us to get round at, at, at most speed and to have some kind of enjoyment over the process of that. Chill out, Doc. It's the future. I'll just hop on a hoverboard and float away. They'll never catch me. So, Luke, hoverboards. I'm excited for this one. Very excited. I feel like you just based on appearances alone, forgive me here, you're a massive Back to the Future fan. Well, I was about to say I'm excited for this for four main words, Back to the Future. Amazing. You cannot be someone of my age, right, and not be one, into Back to the Future, or two, excited by the technology contained within it. And I think the 80s generally was a very, very good era for science fiction blockbuster movies. So not even... You know, quite esoteric science fiction, but actually mainstream blockbuster science fiction. And Back to the Future is a big part of that. And the hoverboard in Back to the Future blew my mind to bits when I was a kid, along with the self-lacing trainers. Oh my gosh, but they did try and make the self-lacing trainers, didn't Apparently they? Apparently they have yeah. made them. I think they have made them. And they've attempted with hoverboards. I think we're going to find out on this show. What, but- Nike? That'd be no, brilliant. not not a Nike hoverboard would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd like, was it Biff's hoverboard, which is yeah. much more complex? Because wasn't he on like a hover scooter, there Marty was... McFly, and then he had to snap the handle off? But Biff had a much better hoverboard. And um, Marty's one didn't work over water as well. Yes, we might find a bit more about that later. Very important thing yeah. that hoverboards don't work over yeah. water. I, I, I think for me, hoverboards are kind of like I was disappointed in 2015 when that Back to the Future date arrived. Yeah, and the hoverboard wasn't there, and it's yeah. that idea of imagining the future. Because what yeah. I find interesting and because 
because you are such a big Back to the Future fan, yeah. I, I rewatched the entire trilogy yeah. uh, just for recording this episode. And what I find interesting when you look at how they imagined in the 1980s mm. that now would be, or in fact six years ago would yeah. be, they didn't imagine things like smartphones or flat screen TVs no. or any of that tech. No. They kind of took the 80s iconic things such as night trainers or bomber jackets or, or skateboards. Yeah. yeah, and so... You know, that was really the first mention of the hoverboard in science fiction. Yeah, and um, my niece was born exactly on Back to the Future Day. No way. The 21st of October 2015. And obviously that was an amazing day, but it also was tempered by the fact that I remember thinking, it's nothing like we thought it was going to be. And the 80s movie vision of the future is clearly, of course, limited by nothing other than imagination, but it's fascinating how often... It's completely wide of the mark. And we are not, I mean, people listening don't need us to tell them, but just for the record, we are not looking out the window today, seeing people flying past on hoverboards, and it'll be interesting to find out why. Yeah, let's find out what people did expect back in the 1980s and before. The future. The year is 2015, at least to Marty McFly it is. Looks different from how I imagined it. That's right, Marty. It's October 21st. 2015. Oh, incredible. Who knows what kind of technological advancements and, like, societal progress we've made in three decades. And here is something every 80s kid dreamed of. Stop. Look. I need to bore you. Hoverboard. Where is he? But what was once a vision of our future is now a part of our past. First dreamt up in a 1960s science fiction novel, the idea of your own personal hoverboard was made famous by a certain Mr McFly when the Back to the Future franchise first burst onto our screens in the 1980s. Get up! But before Michael J Fox and his DeLorean, there was the 1950s Hillier flying platform. The Hiller Flying Platform was built and flown to prove a technical concept still valid for future high-speed vertical takeoff aircraft. Although some Army aviation planners... An impressive circular platform funded by the US Army that could lift up off the ground and was controlled by the pilot leaning in whichever direction they wanted to fly. The platform's innovation was the duct surrounding its contra-rotating propellers. Air drawn over the rim of the duct provided 40% of the aircraft's thrust. Then there were the crazier hover creations of the 1960s, such as the flying pogo stick, also known as the grasshopper, and the flying seat. The early noughties brought dreams of a frictionless future, with the airboard unveiled at the opening ceremony of the 2000 Sydney Olympics. But ultimately, these inventions fell short of the mark. Leaf blowers, surfboards and even magnets were all used to get the hoverboard off the ground. But unfortunately, none could quite live up to what Doc Brown had predicted. Chill out, Doc. It's the future. I'll just hop on a hoverboard and float away. They'll never catch me. Sorry, Marty. There aren't any hoverboards. This is the closest thing we have. It's called an oxboard, Marty. It's slightly faster than walking. Oh, okay, well, I guess if it helps me get away. Do you know, I have to mention those airboards, Luke. Yeah. At the, apparently they're at the Sydney 2000 uh, yeah. opening, Olymp- Olympic opening ceremony. They're kind of disappointing, aren't they? They're a bit naff. I hope I'm able to say they, that. They kind of look like one-person mini 
a hovercraft. Yeah, I would say, and I don't, a cross I, between a hovercraft and a sledge. Yeah, basically, and I don't, I don't think it's possible for them to go too far off the ground. Uh, I think, to be honest, it, it doesn't really look too much dissimilar to when. There was a TV show in the in the nineties. It might have been the Krypton Factor, where part of it they actually go on these little one-person hovercrafts with these fans on the back. How do I not remember this? And they scooted around over water and on land, and they're a bit like that. I mean, it's it's not in any way as impressive as when we talked about the jetpack with the uh, the LA Olympics, which was actually pretty cool. Our mate Bill Susan. Yeah, exactly. That that was amazing. That was Um, cool. It's nowhere near as good as that. Do when it comes to hoverboards. How high do you expect them to go? Do you think it's going to be more like the Martin McFly things? So you're just a few inches off the ground, like yeah. the airboard, or do you think it's like the Hillier platform back in the 1950s, where they went quite a few hundred feet up in the air potentially? Well, well the Hillier platform, the Hillier flying platform, is 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 pretty interesting because it's unwieldy and bulky and everything you'd expect from a piece of kind of 1950s tech. Um, but it's also quite cool. I mean, I can imagine if I was around the fifties, that would be awesome. But it, and it go, as you've already intimated, it goes pretty high. To answer your question, I think you want to be able to go for it to be a proper hoverboard. You want to be able to go six to ten feet off the ground to okay. get over obstacles and to get round things. Otherwise, it's a bit like. I mean, I know we're going to talk a bit more about this in 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 in, in the moments to come, but otherwise, it's a little bit underwhelming. I think. I feel like there are, there are two different types of hoverboard, and there is that you know the science fiction one. Yes, we think of the hoverboard coming from Back to the Future, Back to the Future 2, but it actually started in the 1960s, this book called The Hole in Zero, which came out in 1967. Mm -hmm. And the author actually imagined hoverboards, and the word was first used in this book, as a way of people travelling around in the space future. So, you know, people in the 60s, of course, dreamed of a future in space because humans were going to space. It made sense that that everyone else, all of us, would be next. So this author thought the, the hoverboard would be something we'd use to get around in space. And actually, in the 60s, NASA started developing jet shoes, basically, for want yeah. of a better word. So foot-controlled manoeuvring units, which they actually ended up t- testing out in space aboard the Skylab space station in the 1970s as a way for astronauts to potentially get around. So it wasn't just this, this science fiction visit, vision like an improvement on skateboarding. Mm. It was actually something which could have had potential in the early space age, but it never actually happened. What do you think is the uh, what do you think is the appeal of the hoverboard in the first place? Then why do you, why do you think people are so enthusiastic about it, and why is it kind of punctuated all this different science fiction that we've enjoyed? I think it's a great question, but I think humans have always wanted to push the limits of yeah. what they can do. Humans have always wanted to fly. Who wouldn't want to be able to fly? Yeah. Would you want to fly, Luke? Yeah, of course. There Absolutely. we go. There we yeah. go. And, and I think what's interesting is there almost is this crossover between the jetpack. And the hoverboard, and maybe in some ways the flying car, because it's ability to control flight yourself. And I think in the 50s and the 60s, we saw commercial aviation, we saw people going to space. So, of course, it made sense that a personal way of flying was going to come next. Um, But I would add, going back to the Hillier flying platform, and you described it very well, it doesn't really look like a hoverboard. It's more this circular thing. You hold on to something. It's more like the the scooter. It's more like a hover scooter than a hoverboard. But this idea of using your body weight to actually lean one way, lean the other way and actually move the hoverboard is certainly interesting, but something which never really became mainstream. So one person who can help us with all of this is Keith Johnson. He's a lecturer at the University of East Anglia and he talks about this mashup almost between science fiction and science fact when it comes to the hoverboard. It's interesting because other examples of kind of hover-based technology, so the hover car or the hover bike, you do get those, um, the recent the Star Trek films, uh, the J.G. Abrams ones, 
kind of use kind of hover bikes as kind of examples of again individualism because the Kirk character's got a hover bike and clearly he uses it the way kind of a hot rod in the 1950s would kind of have been used. But it's a much bigger bit of technology. It's a much bigger kind of um, piece of equipment. Whereas the hoverboard has a simplicity to it that I think is also appealing. Um, you know, it is effectively just this large bit of plastic with some degree of hover technology built into it. And it's interesting seeing the kind of real-world equivalents, people trying to create hoverboards in terms of how that's done. Um, but I think there is something about the the appeal of the, the, the I say, that individual personalised thing, but also the simplicity of it. Again, it goes back to the idea of the skateboard. It should be a simple piece of technology that allows us to get around at, at, at most speed and to have some kind of enjoyment over the process of that. Yeah, I think that's that's key, isn't it? Because we're, we're talking about a number of different things there, and, and Keith's absolutely spot on, because as he alludes to there, the hoverboard essentially feels to me like it was um, created or at least in, invented in people's minds, if you like, as a natural extension from the skateboard, right? An individual way of getting around in the more futuristic way of a skateboard. Because, of course, in Back to the Future, Marty McFly likes to skateboard as well, right? It's a very so, 80s thing, skateboarding. Exa- exactly. But... Obviously, as I've said before, you're limited by actual real-life scientific restrictions, the, you know, immutable facts of the universe, laws of physics which actually can't be circumvented, like you need fuel, you, know, you need laws of motion, all that type of stuff. And films just don't have to think about that. But it is interesting to me, time and time again, when we talk about this type of stuff on the show, that all of this comes from something you mentioned earlier, which is the need to push the envelope, to push boundaries, to make our lives more exciting and in some ways to make our lives easier as well. And that, I think, is where the fascination of all the appeal of the hoverboard has come from in the past. But I would also say as well, and I'm a serious science person here, yeah. you like to have much more fun, Luke. Yeah. But um, it's just fun. Sometimes yeah. we look at pushing the envelope and, and doing these incredible things, but can't we just invent technology for fun, to invent something which is, you know, I would love to go on an actual working hoverboard. It mm. would be an incredibly fun experience in the same way it's fun to go on a roller coaster or lots of other things. Yeah. Sometimes films imagine these things because it's something fun. It's a form of escapism. So there might not be that much scientific use for it. As we saw, NASA tested out this technology in space. It didn't really work as a way for astronauts to manoeuvre around using their feet to control, mm. um, like a, a foot control board. But it's something fun, something that can be used for fun and enjoyment. Absolutely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's more to Irish history than St. Patrick. And Shane Todd and Hazel Hayes are here to tell you all about it on We're Not Fucking Historians, the Irish history podcast with a few facts and plenty of crack, like the legendary Irish warrior Coo Cullen. Some sources say he killed the dog by driving a hurling stone down its throat. Now, he's six. Hazel, did someone say the naughty step? Jesus, someone, someone went to bed without supper, didn't they? Someone called Super Nanny because he's at it again. Or Ned Kelly, Australia's infamous Irish-born bush ranger. Punishment was imprisonment with or without hard labour. I'd, I'd prefer without. If possible. Yeah. Like, if it's going. Do you, have, do you have any without hard labour? Yeah. Can I have the without labour substitute, please? Can, can, I I, get, can I get the hard labour on the side? Can I get almond um, <laughs> instead of hard labour, please? Search We're Not Historians. That's We're Not Historians in your favourite podcast app for weekly episodes every Tuesday. Let's see what these people have said about it. Amazing. The Times. <laughs> Whoa. New York Times. A lot of times. <laughs> Great Hazel herself. We're not fucking historians, is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Today, there are many people who are yet to give up on the dream of the hoverboard. Seen now as more of an engineering feat, companies like Lexus have stepped up to take on the challenge. Hey, look, a Lexus. Hey, it's a better one than yours. <laughs> There's also the Hendo hoverboard. Invented by Arxpax, the company invited skateboarder Tony Hawk to test it out. But it turned out to be little more than a publicity stunt. It's Tony Hawk here. I want to apologize for the hoverboard prank. Um, I thought it would be obvious that it, that it was fake, but a lot of people believed it, and I wanted to believe it as much as you did. However, there is one area where the hoverboard has really come into its own. Hydroflight. If you're a fan of extreme water sports, hydroboarding is something that's growing in popularity. Now a local company This is, is where jet propulsion is used to propel people up above a body of water. There are even hydroflight sports that involve competitions using hoverboards over the water. So, it turns out flying on water might not be such a bad idea. And there is still hope for the true hoverboard. Meet the Flyboard Air. 
A jet-powered hoverboard that is capable of 10 to 12 minutes of flight. In 2016, its inventor, Frankie Zapata, broke the Guinness World Record for furthest flight by hoverboard, travelling a distance of over two kilometres. The hoverboard is no longer science fiction. I love the fact how all of these things like jetpacks and flying pogo sticks and the hoverboard now, it all comes back to water. Yeah. I guess it's because it's safer to experiment with these things over water to start with, right? Depends at what height you're at, though. I suppose so. Because if you're going to have a fall from a big height into True. water, it's not that just safe. Just as bad, just as bad. I, I, I'm fascinated as to where we are presently with, with hoverboards and, and the flyboard air, as we heard about there, is a really good example, but... I'm perhaps going to incur the wrath of you here, Sarah, oh, no. who's actually, you are actually a qualified scientist. To me, the flyboard air is cool. And as we heard a little bit there, uh, I'm happy to put a bit more meat on the bones. It, it did a, it did a, um, a, a, a non-stop, essentially a non-stop with the exception just to refuel halfway so through stopped. once. It did a okay. non-stop. It did a non-non-stop flight across the channel. Um, and it was very impressive to watch. There's a YouTube video about it. It shows you a bit about how it works. To me, it doesn't really feel like a hoverboard, though. It feels like a jetpack, as we talked about earlier in the series, in a different place on the body. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. So Frankie Zabata, he um, managed to cross the English Channel 22 <laughs> miles with this um, yeah. flyboard air, um, powered by kerosene. It, it is almost like a jet engine. It's, it's the same way that it's almost like a jetpack. Sorry, it's the same way that jetpack works, but instead it's on his feet. But it does look like a hoverboard. Um, he's actually starting to develop it even more. I um, mean, it can currently fly for around 10 to 12 minutes yeah. and, and quite a speed over 100 kilometres an hour as well, which is quite terrifying. You said you wanted speed and you wanted height with your hoverboard. Yeah. That gives you it, but it's not... It's not the hoverboard we saw in Back to the Future. No, and I think, um, and it's obviously ironic, isn't it? Because it, uh, the hoverboards in Back to the Future, as I said, don't work over water. But You've it, got a good Back to the Future fact for me, I know. Uh, yeah, well, basically, there was a rumour going around when Back to the Future came out that um, that they that, that they had that hoverboards had been invented in the US, but the government and um, certain different bodies, governing bodies, had deemed them to be, quote, too dangerous and so weren't allowed them to be put into production and that's why we didn't have them. And it later turned out that the director of Back to the Future, Robert Zemeckis, invented that story on purpose to try and generate some information and some not information, to try to generate some kind of really excitement around the film. So it worked. It's good PR. It did work. It did work. It's a great film anyway, which helped. But um, I don't think even Robert Zemeckis could could, could bring us a uh, bring us a hoverboard at that point. To me, the current state of play is just it feels like they're hugely limited by the by the not just the available technology but by the laws of physics as well, because we want to be able to see, like Martin McFly does, someone just jump on a skateboard with no wheels. And it's never going to be that, right? Well, don't say never yet, because we never quite know. You know, science fiction, as I like to say, should be renamed science prediction, because yeah. all the things you can imagine will eventually come true, as well as all yeah. the things you can't imagine. And if you go back to 2015, I can't believe we're saying 2015's yeah. in the past, because <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. um, I, I remembered Back to the Future Day as if it was yesterday. Um, but there was a lot of companies around at the time trying to build their own hoverboards, these Marty McFly-esque versions of the hoverboard. And by that, I mean not something like the, the flyboard air, which goes quite a few feet in the air, but something which levitates just above the ground, just like the hoverboard we saw in Back to the Future. 
One of them was actually made by a company called ArxPax, and we spoke to their CEO, Greg Henderson, about the science behind how his hoverboard actually worked. When I started to work with magnetic fields to figure this out, I realized something, and that is that the flow of electrons is completely analogous to the flow of water, of a liquid. And as you move a magnetic field across the conductive surface, the currents that are generated are very, very much like the currents that would be, that would peel off the, the edges of a, of a paddle as you paddle across a, a pond in a, in a canoe. Those, those currents that come off the edges of your oar or your paddle, that's what happens in that conductive surface. Those swirls of, of electrons, they create their own magnetic fields. And if you do it properly and you design those eddy currents to combine in constructive ways, you can generate some very powerful secondary magnetic fields. The, the deeper I got into uh, how magnetic fields behave, the more I realized it is completely analogous to water and how water behaves. So the technology is kind of, I'm going to simplify what he just said. Okay. I'm going to translate. It's basically magnetics. But actually, when you get to the idea of how a hoverboard works in terms of levitation, you can go down some quite deep areas of physics. So Lexus at the same time in 2015, another, I think it's fair to say, slight publicity stunt in yeah. terms of technology and what they could do. They came out with their own version of the hoverboard using something really simple called quantum levitation, which basically means, I don't know if you've, you've seen the Lexus hoverboard, but there was almost like smoke coming off it when they test it out. So yeah. it's this, this uh, bamboo board. It's got a thin level of um, metal, so to speak, on the bottom of it. And then you've got smoke and that smoke's actually from liquid nitrogen. So when you supercool a superconductor, and by supercool, I mean you get it down to at least minus 135 Celsius, this creates really unique properties. And then we get into the realms of quantum physics and no one needs to listen to quantum yeah. physics right now. Um, and this causes something called quantum le levitation, which when you've got a magnetic surface underneath it, it causes it to repel. It repels the magnetic surface. So this really thin superconductor, which is super cooled, appears to float on the magnetic surface. So in the, the Lexus video, this steaming hoverboard is actually on a, um, a, a track, a um, skateboard track, mm. which is made with magnets and mm. it's floating on top of it. So you couldn't just take the, the hoverboard and, and go Anywhere, on the street yeah. and use it, but it, it works. And then there's other designs which are less mind-bending, um, there was a design which actually used uh, two drones yeah. and you essentially stand on, it's called the Omni Hoverboard, and you essentially stand on top of two drones. That came out again 2015, the, the same time as this Back to the Future year, um, which feels a little less like the Martin McFly thing. But the, the physics is there. It's really high-end physics. I mean, the reason your smartphone works is because yeah. of quantum mechanics. Yeah. Nobody really understands exactly what goes on with quantum mechanics, but it enables all this new technology. So even though we can't have magnetic pavements um, just yet, the technology is technically there. So it's interesting because there's different... What we're talking about here is essentially 
different ways of making something happen, right? Different approaches. So this is a completely different approach, if I'm right here, in, yep. to the flyboard air. Yep. We're talking about something that the way you describe it there, using an electromagnetic field to kind of create hover technology is essentially the same way that, for example, for those listening, people will be familiar with perhaps the maglev train, yep. which uses a metallic track and, and electromagnets to to take a train on that specific track only, yep. obviously, because it's a train, 600 odd miles an hour. Uh, it's the same type of thing, right? Yeah. And, it's the same principle. And the results are kind of the same because if you look at the Back to the Future hoverboard, you remember when Marty McFly snapped the handle of yeah. that girl's pink hoverboard, you could see almost like two circular discs on yeah. the bottom of the hoverboard. And in the movie, in movie world science fiction, those discs were meant to generate anti-gravity of yeah. some sort, which allows you to levitate across the street. And actually... Yeah. That's what we see. But that's what I want. Some of this technology. That's what I want. We've got the technology, but we just can't use it outside of a place with magnets. Yeah, and also I think, isn't it? And also, I suppose, really thinking about it, you know, you need some kind of what, what that's essentially generating is non. It's essentially no, no friction, right? Yep. So you're 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 able to move at high speeds yep. in a really free way because the friction's been reduced to control as in move around all over the place, you need friction to kind of stop and move and travel in different directions, right? Well, some of them, so if we go back to the airboards in the 2000 Sydney Olympics, they didn't have any brakes on them. Huh. So some of this technology... So it could have gone wrong. Yeah, it could have gone wrong. Yeah. Some of this technology um, is it's very developmental. Like In theory, we can do it, but we just yeah. haven't got there just yet. Um, would you ever ride one of these newer hoverboards then? Yeah, definitely. When we when we talked about doing a jetpack a while back, I was I'm not really that into that. It seems a little oh, bit I would love to see you on a jetpack. <laughs> it seems a bit dangerous to me. And there's going to be a lot of stuff in this series that I'm probably going to be too frightened to do. Yeah, hoverboard. I'm all about that. I'm, I'm just I'm just sad that it seems to be at current time one of those things that in in theory, as you've already said, is absolutely possible. But in practice, there's too many things to overcome at the moment for it to be a truly free hoverboard experience because I think it goes against the very essence of it of the freedom of it to say yeah you can do it but you can only do it in this very limited way when you've cooled something down to a minus 135 degrees and you have to be you know surrounded by loads of safety equipment I mean, do you want to do it or not I mean we've got the technology <laughs> that's the only option I've got at the moment it's the only it's option like I've got the- so one person who got to ride a hoverboard is a journalist called Dave Carney. He got to ride the Arcs Pack hoverboard back in 2015 when it first came out. And he got to experience it with none other than skateboarder Tony Hawk. The legend. So you know more about him than I do. I was like, who's Tony Hawk? I wasn't really. Only because of Tony Hawk's pro skater on the, on the PlayStation back Are you good the at day. that? I, I couldn't. It was about 20 years ago. Were you was, good at it? It's an iconic game. I think I was all right at it, yeah. See, that's I, why I think you'll be good on a hoverboard then. You've got the computer game practice. I'm better on it than I am on a skateboard in real life. Okay, so let's hear what Dave Carney has to say. When Tony and I got on the thing for the first time, it it, it, it rises up off the ground, off the copper sheets, you know, about an inch, two inches. It's, it's really quite amazing when we saw it in person, just like, whoa, this, this works. <laughs> it's actually hovering. Um, but that was about all that worked because... We just, you can't control the thing. <laughs> There's like, um, I think Tony, the way he described it when he first wrote it was, it's like, a, he's, I think he said, it's like a skimboard completely out of control. Um, and same thing, like when I got on it, it just, it's because there's no friction um it's actually hovering so there's not it's in contact with absolutely nothing so it just kind of floats and so you can't do the sort of things that you normally do on say a skateboard or any board where you lean into things and 
use the ground to turn, etc. This thing just floats. Um, and so it was really <laughs> amusing to watch Tony after he first got on it. Um, you know, this is Tony Hawk, the one of the greatest skateboarders of all time. The look on his face was just so funny because he he was looking at it like, I ride skateboards, I ride surfboards, I ride skimboards. Why can't I ride this board? Um, and he he's really competitive, so he started to get kind of mad at it. I would just love to see you on a skateboard, on a hoverboard now, Luke. I think the fact that Tony Hawk struggles, we go back to friction and how some of them don't have brakes because it hasn't really got that Nothing to break facility. from, exactly. Yeah. And I think um, Tony Hawk should have thought about it because I know it was like a publicity stunt type thing and it was really interesting for everyone, but it did make him look bad. I mean, I saw the video <laughs> of it. He looked like a newborn baby on it. And it's like, it's completely opposite to what you're used to seeing with someone like we, Tony We Hawk. should race on them. I would love to have a go, but I feel like I would probably fall off pretty much immediately or yeah. just yeah, it'd be, it'd be I think fun. we both would Sarah let's make that absolutely but who clear. could stay on the longest yeah That's the oh yeah well, <laughs> it depends what we're doing on that I suppose but, but, but it's holding an, on it's an interesting <laughs> point that Dave makes there because he, he's absolutely spot on because there is nothing to break against there's nothing to to lean on to control it like when you're on a skateboard clearly you're in contact with the ground via a board and some wheels and the physics works in the way it works when we talk about someone being a really great skateboarder what they're doing essentially is mastering the physics of what's happening of the environment this is a completely new environment although it looks the same and the laws are different yeah it's very very difficult to control different types of physics because in order to hover or to levitate so to speak you need to eliminate most of the friction yeah therefore you don't have the same control so perhaps you know i feel like personally the technology is almost there perhaps in the future it'd be a different type of sport but for now i'm not so sure about the hoverboard but let's have a look at where we're heading in terms of our hoverboarding future the future of the hoverboard doesn't look too certain. These charred remains used to be an imitation hoverboard before, in the words of the owner, it exploded. But 30 years after entering the public consciousness, they're showing no signs of going away. While it might not be uncommon for a Segway to whiz past you on your way home from work, a version without wheels for all of us might be slightly further off. For now, the best hopes for this creation might be focused not on personal transport, but rather on how the technology can be used elsewhere. ArxPax envisions a future where hoverboard tech is used in everything from building structures to transport and recreation. Meanwhile, the first designs for a personal hoverboard will likely be developed first by the army with the French military recently giving a $1.4 million grant to Frankie Zapata's company, Z-Air. While it might not be quite as easy as some thought to use a hoverboard to get from A to B, the technology promises real change. And even your own personal hoverboard could be just around the corner. We know that hoverboard technology has not been perfected yet. That'll be 2015. But in the meantime, we've taken every ounce of technology we have and put it into this board right here. So I feel like the tech is really exciting, but I'm, I'm not so confident just yet about us actually having our own personal hoverboards, which I know is something you really want. Most people, most of you listening to this really want, which yeah. is not quite there yet. So I think what we're talking about here is is the idea of refining and improving the existing technology to make it a lot more practical for it to be employed 
in something like a hoverboard. So, you know, as we've discussed today, you've got the idea of drone technology, you've got the idea of jet power technology, you've got the idea of almost some kind of fan-based technology or the electromagnetic kind of levitation technology. All of those, Sarah, either through large kind of the idea of the size of them or the bulk of them or the weight of them count against this or in the case of electromagnetic kind of technology is very limited by where you can go with it. It needs to be a track. It needs to be some some defined environment that it sits on top of. Other than that, it looks like we're going to be waiting a wee while for it to become get to the level we need it at. Well, I feel like it really splits into two. So you've got the... Um Frankie Zapata, and he's got this grant from the French military for his... Um, it's more like a jetpack hoverboard, as we, we explained earlier. Um, and he, the military could potentially use it, but it actually requires a lot of training. It's still rather noisy. Perhaps it could be something to go and rescue so- soldiers in the battlefield. We don't know. But that type of technology, and it kind of goes back to jetpacks as well, is currently being developed, but we haven't really found a use for it just yet. And then we go to this really deep scientific thing looking at Mm. magnetic levitation quantum Mm. levitation ways of like defying gravity Mm. using the way we understand physics at the moment and that provides some interesting potential not just for hoverboards and and for having fun and technology but actually for safety and improving life on earth so one of the things that greg henderson the ceo of arcs pack is so exciting about is the potential for hoverboards used for hovering buildings so this is hover this is this is basically hover technology used in other areas and in this case in 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 the um in the case of buildings to improve safety right so let's hear what um greg had to say we did explore using magnetic fields for an on-demand seismic isolation. So if there's an earthquake uh, with the current technology from the USGS and UC Berkeley's seismology lab, uh, there's a program called ShakeAlert, and it gives us a few seconds of warning uh, before an earthquake hits an area. And with that, with that, that, that early signal, what we can do is, is turn on a system of hover engines that would isolate an object of value or a process or a a piece of art or even a building uh, to turn on a system of hover engines that would separate that object from the ground for the duration of the earthquake. And if you're talking about 90 seconds, that's something that is is, uh, very feasible uh, in terms of levitating something when you need to to avoid an earthquake. There are much more cost-effective ways of doing that, however. So it's like everything. It's money, which is almost holding it back. But the thought of potentially in earthquake areas, having buildings on top of hoverboard technology, let's not call it hoverboards, but when you do have that earthquake, you can levitate the building. It prevents structural damage and it could potentially save lives. It's exciting to know that the technology is developing and there's so many possible uses for this technology. And if you look at um, something separate to ArcsPax, to quantum levitation, quantum locking, this kind of like defying gravity, you only need a very thin amount of a supercooled superconductor to lift the weight of a car. So you could literally have a coating of these supercooled superconductors, which could then levitate a vehicle should there be an accident or an earthquake if you're telling me the bad news is i can't have a hoverboard but i might but have a hover building yeah I'm pretty much that. i'm happy with that pretty much and, and this and joking aside this is this is a practical implication right so this is another example of how you can develop some technology or people can investigate some technology for one reason and and as if you've mentioned already sarah it may even just be a frivolous fun reason and then implement it in a way that could potentially save thousands of lives in the case of this because what um greg is saying there is essentially look it sounds mad, but ultimately we're looking to raise something 
in one place for a very small amount of time, the movement's not necessarily what's needed. It's actually doable. That's fascinating. If you, I don't think that, um, as ever on this show, we look for something in one place and we find something absolutely fascinating in another place. That's the beauty of science. If, exactly. If you said 10 years ago, by the way, there people are really you know, looking to get to grips with the idea of making buildings temporarily hover against earthquakes. That's unbelievable. That is incredible science. Well, this is the thing with so much of this, uh, you know, blue sky research we do in science, things which seem like they don't benefit everyday life, going to the moon, going to space, trying to build a hoverboard. When we push the limits of what we can achieve, be it for fun, be it for political reasons, be it for human endurance, there are often tangential benefits which Mm. change life on Earth and, and, and change the potential for the technology. So the fact that we've had all these people trying to make a hoverboard, it was a bit of a gimmick. Actually, there's a real life potential to, as you said, improve lives on Earth. And, you know, we we live in a very divided planet. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, by the you know, luck of geography, some people don't have it as lucky as others. But if this can, technology can be used to save human lives during an earthquake, then that is huge. And it doesn't matter that you might not have your hoverboard just yet. So... Here's the final decider, Luke. Mm -hmm. Science fiction or science fact? It seems to me that it's as we envisage it, as those Back to the Future fans listening, and I stand with you, brothers and sisters, um, are envisaging a hoverboard, I think it's going to remain science fiction. But I do think, as ever, we may just be looking in slightly narrow parameters and in the wrong places. I think hover technology is something that's going to have a great amount of use over the, over the coming years. And um, so we may, I'm going to say science fact for hover technology, but science fiction for Marty McFly's hoverboard. Oh, I like that. Does Marty McFly forgive you, though? Uh, hopefully. But we should, take, we should give the last line to Greg Henderson, by the way, who, uh, when we asked him about what could happen in the future, he had this to say. I would say... Just like people told me that what I was trying to do was impossible, humanity knows far less than we think we know. And I I think there are going to be all sorts of surprises in the future. I I would side with Greg Henderson as well. I think we can't even begin to imagine what is to come. So I would agree with you, Luke. I think at the moment the technology is science fact. We can hover stuff. We can levitate it. We haven't got a a ginormous magnet, although... The Earth is magnetic. The Earth has a magnetic field. So there is the potential sometime in the long future that maybe we will have hoverboards. But you never say never because our world of today is a world of science fiction compared to the world 100 years ago. But I think you're right. I think right now the hoverboard is science. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
It's fiction, but it does technically exist, and I think it could one day become science fact, and I think half of technology is already here. It's science fact. Well, in that case, then, Sarah, can, do you feel like you could now answer the question, where's my hoverboard? I think it is um, still a difficult question to answer. I think it's just around the corner. I think the technology for your hoverboard certainly exists. Hover technology is here. Everyday hoverboard is not here just yet. That was episode three of Where's My Jetpack. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Tune in next week for episode four, Where's My Flying Car? So if I heard correctly, Scaramanga got away. Yes, sir. The car that sprouted wings. Oh, that's perfectly feasible, sir. Where's My Jetpack is a stack production presented by me, Sarah Credis, and Luke Moore. The production team is Charlie Morgan, Luke Moore, and Sarah Credis. Our sound designer and editor is Tom Wally. Special thanks to this week's guests, Keith Johnston, Greg Henderson, and Dave Carney. You can find Luke and I on Twitter, at Sarah Credis and at Luke Aaron Moore. We'll see you next week. Where's My Jetpack is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.